the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today. Send them to our website, townhallreview.com. Speaking about explosive results, Dan Senor is probably going to win Podcaster of the Year Award if they give such a thing. Dan, do they give Podcaster of the Year Award because you'll win it? I have no idea, Hugh. I uh, I started this podcasting before October 7th, but since October 7th, I've gone pretty intensively, as you know, about Israel, all Israel, all the time. And to my surprise, the podcast has found a large audience of people in the United States, around the world, including in the Sunni Arab countries, which I didn't expect, including some leaders in the Sunni Arab countries and including in Israel that I wouldn't have imagined. So I don't know if any of them have a vote on podcast of the year award, but, but well, Dan, I have two requests that you never go into commercial AM FM radio. Number one, stay where you are, just stay in your own lane. I know you have another job as well. Stay in that lane, do your pod. Number two, I want more of them. You're only doing one or two a week and I want more of them. How many more can you do? I, so Hugh, I, I'm trying to get two and sometimes three a week, but it's hard. You know, this is hard. And first of all, most of the people I'm interviewing for my podcast are overseas. So for instance, today at 7.15 in the morning, my time, East Coast time in New York City, I'm interviewing Anat Wolf, who's a former labor member of Knesset in Israel and who's an expert and has written extensively on the issue of UNRWA, this UN uh, Palestinian refugee agency. And she's She's written about it. I mean, she's written about it extensively. She's an extraordinary person. But, you know, it's it'll be 2.15 in Israel, p.m. Shabbat, the Sabbath, is coming in in Israel. So I can't do it much later than that because Shabbat comes in early this time of year. She's got to get ready for Shabbat. So the only time that works is 7.15 a.m. I've got two kids. i got to get them out for school, juggling getting them out of the door while recording a podcast on Israel time. It's not easy, which is why I'm only banging out a couple of weeks. But I take your I take your excuses, excuses. All I want to do is glide along. You know, some people in race cars, they just kind of drift behind the race car, the lead car. That's what I'm doing with you. Haviv was on yesterday, who I'd never heard of until I listened to Call Me Back podcast. And Haviv explained UNRWA to me. And Dan, I'm here to tell you, I admit ignorance all the time. I think it's a useful quality in broadcasters. I didn't know anything about UNRWA until a week ago. I just thought... UNRWA, UN must be doing good things, probably giving out grain and cereal and stuff. They're an arm of Hamas. They should not exist. They should be destroyed, not destroyed. They should be disestablished. Do you think anyone is going to stand for for their for, by their side going forward? It's a great question. So, so let me just take a step back, Hugh, because I think, like you, many, many of your many of your listeners and many of my listeners too had no idea what this was. So, for those of us, like I've been immersed in these issues in Israel for some time, and there are some issues. They're it's they're so absurd and they're so longstanding that you become numb to them, and you say, "Okay, I'm not going to fight on this issue because I got to fight on that that issue," even though it's the craziest thing in the world. You just kind of like learn to live with it. 
And then something like October 7th happens, and it brings into focus all the absurdities. And finally, people start to wake up and say, wait a minute. So in the case of UNRWA, this UN, United Nations, it stands for United Nations Relief and and Works Agency in quote-unquote Palestine. And it is a refugee agency just for those Palestinian Arabs that were dislocated by the 1948 war. Okay, that's interesting. But then you say, well, well, how does the U.N. deal with other refugees around the world? Well, the U.N. has a separate body, the U.N. High Commission on Refugees, that deals with all the other refugees from around the world, anywhere in the world. Refugees from the Syrian uh, Civil War, refugees from World War II, refugees from, you know, the Congo, refugees from Sudan, any country in the world. The, The U.N. has one body that deals with all the refugees around the world. And then it has a separate body that just deals with Palestinian refugees. So that's sort of curious. Then you ask, how many refugees were there actually dislocated by the Palestinian, by the uh, Israel, Israeli War of Independence in 1948? According to the UN, the UNRWA's own numbers, it was about 300,000. So then you say, okay, then you go to the UNRWA website and you say, well, how many are today? How many refugees are there today? 5.9 million. So how did it go from 300,000 refugees to 5.9 million refugees? And the answer is this body is the only body in the UN that doesn't count refugees as only, quote unquote, the original refugees, those original 300,000, but it automatically transfers refugee status to all the descendants of the refugees, including anyone that any child, grandchild, great grandchild that that refugee has or adopts with no end in sight. And Dan, when I learned that, I said they're making up on volume what they cannot achieve on price. It's really nuts. And I think it's been a revelation to the civilized world. And I hope you keep the spotlight on it. I'll listen today's uh, don't uh, to today's podcast. Call me back. I wanted to ask you about something. John Podhort said on commentary this week, had a long roundtable about Jews in America. A Chabad rabbi got beat up and chased in Washington, D.C. this week. It's not the only anti-Semitic violence that we've seen. Unfortunately, we've seen more anti-Semitic violence in the last four months in the United States than I've seen in my 67 years. How do you as a Jew feel in in New York City? I mean, do you feel safe? No. Uh, I'll tell you, Hugh, it's uh, as the I'm the son of a Holocaust survivor. Uh, My mother's 85, healthy, thank God, lives in Jerusalem today. She's um, she survived the Holocaust as a little girl. Her her father was killed at Auschwitz. Uh, she was on the run during the early, during the during the war. She escaped. She and her mother. I grew up because of that with the Holocaust fear of anti-Semitism sort of present all the time growing up. That's what well, like my mother would talk about that all the time. Honestly, she came by it honestly, and well, I understood it intellectually. I never felt it viscerally. Until October 7th, and for the first time in my life since October 7th, I kind of understand what my mother would talk about. I, I, I worry about my own physical safety. My children go to a Jewish day school, a, a parochial religious school. Uh, I think about the security of that school, of that building all the time. It's right near my home. I walk by it all the time. I see the NYPD cars in front of it on some days because of concerns. Um, I have friends who've been physically attacked and so it's 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 such a i have close friends who've been injured in in 
October 7th and post. I have close friends who have loved ones um, who've either been injured, kidnapped, or or killed and in Israel. And then I have friends in the United States who are the victims of anti-Semitic attacks. So just think about that as a Jew. Every part of your Jewish world is under siege, right? You're, you're the, the Jewish state, which was supposed to never let a Holocaust happen again, it's partly why it exists, is in a fight for its survival. And Jews in the diaspora are feeling under siege. And so it is... Um, I don't want to sound overly dramatic. It's just it's 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 quite uh, disorienting. And, and you know, it, well, it, I you think, think it's a realigning issue. Again. I think I think every American Jew has to figure out where they are politically in light of what has happened. And that brings me to an issue that is unrelated and related to ten seven. There was a fence in Gaza. They broke through the fence. Right now, there's a border security bill in the United States. I know you don't do domestic politics much, but. John Podhortz and the commentary gang also talked about the fact that while 3 million people come over the border and 2,990,000 of them are fine, we have to assume there are 10,000 bad guys coming across the border as well. Do you think it has occurred to any of our enemies to do here what they did in in, in southern Israel on 10-7? You know, I, it, it, this is, it's, it's not crazy what you're saying at all. I, I think about that because we are, we, the United States, now are in a heightened state of security. Uh, we've had three of our uh, armed forces personnel killed uh, in the last few days in, in, in the Gulf area. Uh, tensions are escalating with Iran via their, in, via their proxies. Uh, but make no mistake about it, their proxies aren't really the problem. The problem is Iran. And I and, and Iran has activated proxies to wage terror around the world. It activated Hezbollah to conduct a, a terror operation in the early 90s and in Buenos Aires to, to bomb the Jewish community center in Argentina. It killed something over over 100 people. They've conducted terror operations really all over the world. Would they contemplate a terror? Would Iran via its proxies contemplate a terror operation in the United States? Well, there have been intelligence threats over the years that they would. Uh, wouldn't this be a time to do it? If they would do it, isn't a scenario like the one you described one that we should worry about? Remember, yeah, they, they were going to do it to Michael Oren and the Saudi ambassador in Georgetown, and we foiled it. Dan Senor, please keep doing what you're doing. I know it's, uh, it's sort of other duties as a sign, but it is a great public service, and it is the podcast of the year. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today. Send them to our website, townhallreview.com. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for joining us. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.